All-Ireland final in 2018. Watched it in Cook Park and I thought I was going to throw up. Like, it just, it was a horrible feeling. You wanted to win, but you just felt like, oh my God, if, if they do win, they haven't been there. Like, is it worth it being over here? Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Time to say a very good morning to Keith Wood. Morning, Keith. Morning, Shane. How are you? Keeping well, thanks. Keeping well. We're gonna we're gonna keep uh, this reaction going to the to the France game because we want to keep talking about it. Let's be honest. Um, ball in play for for over forty six minutes. It turns out that the longer the ball is in play, the better a match is going to be, and the better Ireland's chances of winning are. Well, that's what it looks like from the weekend. Um, uh, I watched the game at home. Um, I had been down at the under-20 game in Cork the night before, which was fantastic as well. We've seen all the mm. the next generation that are kind of coming through, which was lovely. So I was kind of excited when the game started. Um, but I couldn't get over how long the first half. I couldn't get over how long this... It was the longest game of rugby. It, it was... Um, the level of excitement of edge of the seat stuff because Ireland were trying everything um, and France were trying everything. I mean, it took two teams and um, it's it's kind of a joy when you get around to seeing a game playing at that level. It's the best game I've ever seen Ireland play. And I know there's that's hyperbole, but maybe it's just at this stage. I, just, I can't remember a game I enjoyed as much um that had absolutely everything and but I, it, for me it's the freedom in which the team played the uh, the the fact that they're allowed to be themselves that they're allowed to have a go that um like there's a couple of passes from Caelan Doris that you'd have got a bollocking from in the not too distant past and in the distant past you'd have got a bollocking your whole life if you try to pass the, the last pass that he gave. Um, and it just, it, there was no uncertainty. It just didn't look like anybody was in any doubt. They were, it was the right thing to do, have a go at it. And there's a great joy when you're able to see that, but then there's a better joy still when everything that's tried pretty much comes off. There was one question about Andy Farrell when he came in was that he was a big part of the Joe Schmidt era and how much he had bought into what Joe Schmidt was about. When you're talking there about that freedom, it does feel as though they've retained a lot of the good bits of the Schmidt era, the structure, uh, but that Farrell has given them something that they can go and express themselves. That particularly in that last year, last year of Schmidt, where it felt like they were they were playing with fear. That fear is completely gone now. But at the same time, the quality of their passing, the, the importance of doing the simple things right. That also hasn't been lost. Well, it's it's brilliantly exciting. It's in no way reckless. Yeah, I don't know that it's reckless, but I, I do think, uh, Nathan, that it's... I think it seems a little bit more natural, and I think it seems more fun. And um, I know this is a serious thing, and we'll talk about Wales and the, the perilous state that they're in, but... Um, it is a game as well. I know it's a business, but it's a game and games are meant to have fun. And it looks like this is a team that has fun. And, and, and look, I've said it for a lot of different coaches as they get towards the end of their tenure, um, the, the, the fun element almost goes and it becomes too much of a job and you begin overthinking different things. And we're, we're still in early stages, I think, with Andy Farrell. Um, 
But I would always, always say that, you know, players are, sorry, coaches that are in other coaching setups, they're not the boss. They have to follow what the boss dictates. Now they can try and convince him, but if, if the coach isn't for turning, they still have to go with what the boss says. And, uh, I think there's a fairly stark change. Um, and what I would say from Farrell, Farrell is a rugby guy. No, he's a rugby league guy, but, and a rugby union guy, but, he is and has been a success in everything he's done on the sporting field. And I think he would have seen in fairly stark view that some of the joy had gone and some of the things that had gone wrong at the end of what was the best ever tenure from an Irish coach and Joe Schmidt. You know, there was incredible success in that period of time. But at the end of it, that joy seemed to have gone. Um, that freedom of expression seemed to have gone. Um, that's what it looks like at the moment. I think it's a structured game, but it's a structured game where decisions have to be made. So the players have been kind of forced to lead and to make decisions. And that's what leading is. So it isn't a script that you have someone shouting from the sideline saying, kick this ball, do that thing. It's see what's in front of you. Give it as many options as you can possibly get. Make the right option. And I have to say, for, as a fan, as an ex-player, as a fan, whatever, you know, you're looking at it, it's fantastic to watch. It's just, there's a, and long may continue. And without getting overly excited by it, I am overly excited by it because I think you have to celebrate when days like that happen. Um, um, Like it's, it was an extraordinary performance. Two great teams of a team that hasn't lost for, uh, for a long period of time who are, um, have some of the most gifted players that have ever played the game. I mean, in Penno, I think he's extraordinary. In Dupont, he's unbelievably an incredible player, back at his absolute best. Um, and it was a joy to watch an Irish team beat them and beat them in the fashion which they did. And I think you have to celebrate that. I mean, you don't take anything for granted for the next time. And I always kind of put that in, but that's something that's that's important. But you have to you have to kind of take the joy and say, well, wow, that's an amazing thing. And we experienced an amazing thing and watched it last weekend. Did want to get your take, Keith, on the, uh, the Antonio yellow card. Um, and of course, the, look, the, the, the game would have been impacted if, if, if Ireland had the man extra, but Wayne Barnes' decision has left a lot of people scratching their heads. I, look, I think he'd been trying to have a discussion during the week um, prior to it in terms of Contacts that are made in the in the chest that move up that may not have the same level of risk, and I actually think there was merit in his conversation. There wasn't on Saturday um, because the impact was substantial, and um, uh, it, should, it was a red card. I mean, you're listening to his rationale, and you're saying, okay, there's uh, there's a certain element there that makes sense uh, in certain circumstances, but not in this one, and. Um, I don't know whether you can't double guess what he was thinking or not thinking, but for me, that, that was a red card. I mean, look, I looked at it in a few different things. I felt there was a few things that were wrong at the weekend, and I don't want to be constantly beating up on, on TMOs and referees and stuff like that because I think they have a very tough job. Um, but I don't think it's ba- it's a wrong thing to say that that's a wrong decision and that needs to be looked at and there needs to be a clarification for World Rugby on it. There also needs to be the the proper angles to see whether a try is scored or not because 
there was enough of images that came out after the fact of James Lowe's try with his foot in the ground. I wasn't 100% certain whether he'd placed the ball in the area or not, but that's fine because that's a referee's view. And he said, no, I think it's a try. And if you can say anything rather, you know, that, that doesn't dispute that, then it's a try. That's fine. But there were images and it doesn't do the game a service when those images come out too late to be able to, to solve the, the situation. So there are two things that need to be looked at in the light of rugby to say that we're trying to make the game um, fair and understandable for everybody. And they are two instances where, look, that's wrong. And I've been, I haven't stepped away from this idea of the red cards. I think you need to bring that a hinge to the hip for the tackle. Um, I understand that certain things can be, can be looked at differently in a soaking tap, tackle that may have had contact may be different, but I do think we need to get the level of the height down. Um, down to chest height, uh, you know, chest height and lower, and that's where it has to be. Um, and then you can look at mitigation afterwards. But a guy who's six foot four standing straight up, there's no mitigation in that. Keith, if we were sitting here today and France had won that game, we'd be doing a deep analysis of Ireland's failings and psychologically what this means ahead of the World Cup and a potential World Cup quarterfinal and Ireland's ability when it really matters to beat the very top tier in a competitive Six Nations game. We're not really looking at it now from a French point of view. They were on this brilliant winning run and they've come up against the best team in the world and they've been beaten and you know they threw absolutely everything at them. It wasn't as if they didn't perform on Saturday and they still weren't good enough. Do you think there'll be that sort of introspection and do you think they need that sort of introspection now in France ahead of the World Cup? I, look, I know there's been a bit of introspection from the uh, from the French media. Um, I spoke to a couple of guys in the French camp this time last year, actually, and um, I, really interesting conversation in that um, they've been trying to build up the confidence of the team and it had worked. It was a high level of positive affirmation that everything was good, just get better, don't concentrate on the negatives, concentrate on the positives, build the team up. And that's phenomenal when you're going well. And um, you know that you have a coach and management in your corner that are fighting your corner, you know, that are willing you to play and allowing you to make a mistake without being castigated afterwards. And that's a pretty cool thing. Um, so it's perfect when they win. But um, what happens when they lose? Are they Do they doubt themselves then when that happens? Do they feel like imposters in their own team that, that the information that's been given to them is lies in, in certain respects? Um, or is this the loss that puts them on the road to greatness? Because I think as a team, and you look at France, this is a team of great individuals. And I think like in every team that does well, all the other teams look at them and say, how are we able to dismantle this team? And uh, I was asked last week uh, by French media, um, you know, what were the weaknesses I saw in the French? I was asking, was there a few different questions? I answered the questions and I said, look, we need to be in a position where we dismantle the weaknesses. And they said, well, highlight the weaknesses. And I ignored that text. Um, and I said, we'll wait till, till afterwards. But the weaknesses are their strengths or the huge men that they have in the pack that are incredible at scrummaging, incredible at grinding out teams. They're perfectly built for playing against someone like um, South Africa. They're able to meet that big power game. And then they have the incredible individuals in the back line. 
when you move them around the field all over the place and you don't give away any scrums, you don't knock on the ball at all, you play with a high level of discipline, those huge men were becoming a liability. They were wrecked coming off the field. I mean, it was quite interesting how tired they were. Um, and I, it's not to say that they don't play in that way, but France now have to figure out a way to slow down a team like Ireland that plays at that level of attention to detail and that pace. So they have to slow down the rocks. They have to, to figure those things out. So I would say from France, if they get it right, this can be the making of them, actually, because this is somebody that has taken them on at a level that destabilizes them. And that now has highlighted a weakness and they need to sort that weakness out. The, the, the strength and depth, you, you don't win a World Cup without, without a, 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 bit, a little bit of strength and depth at the very least, Keith. And, and you look at this Irish team now and you see the lads coming off the bench and albeit we're missing probably three or four of our best players uh, at the weekend against France and still won with such, with such relative ease. Um, you see someone like Tom O'Toole come off the bench and slot straight in, uh, Craig Casey as well. Conan came in there, you know, and, and these lads were, were coming into the team fairly early during the second half as well. But Ross Byrne is someone who a lot of the focus, of course, has been on him naturally enough. Like he, he comes in after, I think, 48 minutes at the weekend and really slots in just perfectly. Well, I, I, look, we discussed this, Shane, a couple of weeks ago that um, in, in the almost the protection that Johnny is getting in the position he's playing with the options he's been given and the system that they have suits Ross Byrne. Mm. And he he kicks incredibly well. I don't think he he makes the the same quality of decisions as Johnny. Um, but I think the more he plays, the better chance he has of doing that. Right. So the, the more he, the more options he gets, the better chance he has of doing it. I look I thought he played he th- played pretty well. Um the uh, I, I don't think our our attacking play is as fluid and I don't think it could be as fluid because Johnny is like a, a general on the field and um, but again the more you play the better chance that you have for it I think the structure suits um, I will say every time I see Ross Byrne kick a ball I just think he's the most effortless kicking style of of any player um, and I think he's had an awful lot of downs in his career and he's still here you know and that's like I love that um uh, you know the balls of a player like that to to take as many knocks as he's got and to still be there and to still um, be able to stand tall and play and uh, um, and end out a game with with thirty minutes to go and you know and how much doubt has that fella had in his head over the last few years? How much doubt have people? spoken about in terms of it and he still is able to do it on the biggest play so I just think that's an that's an extraordinary thing for, for a player like him for some of the other players Tom O'Toole I think is, is fortunate in some respects there were very few scrums um, because at times he struggled with that but you know that he's going to get confidence from playing it uh, Craig Casey uh, I'm a fan of Craig Casey and I'm a fan of him when he plays like he was when he started, and that's what he did at the weekend. I don't necessarily want Craig Casey going for a gap. Um, uh, he's he's a small player. I want him to be on his feet, linking constantly. And when that happens, I think his pass is just startling. So I don't want him thinking of anything else. I'd like him to revert uh, 
uh, yeah, I'm sure he's he's annoyed with the constant similarities with Stringer, but I want him to act like a Stringer, that he is the link, so that he should always be where the ball is. The ball should be in his hands and out of his hands as quickly as possible. I think that gives Ireland an opportunity to play at a really, really fast pace. I thought Conor Murray had done extraordinarily well beforehand. Um, and uh, I just think that when, when Craig came on, the the speed of that pass was was fantastic, was phenomenal. So, look, I, I thought it was a full squad. Um, and I just, but it was a joy to watch. That's, you know, it, it, you should never step away from the fact that you watch the game because it's fun, you know, and it's exciting and it makes you feel good about yourself. And imagine what it does for the players that are on the field. Yeah, you could even you could see it with Johnny Sexton even before the game with the the, the national anthem and the emotions that were that were around the team for sure. Um, you, you touched on it earlier, Keith, that the the turmoil in Wales at the moment is is uh, quite concerning for Warren Gatland and everyone involved in in Welsh rugby. Uh, and the story in the back pages of, of, of some of the papers this morning, um, which a lot of people will have seen, the Six Nations match between England and Wales uh, into doubt, plunged into doubt. Reports uh, emerging that Wales players considering strike action over their stalling contract renewal. So they're uh, apparently due to meet this week, the players, um, the squad and the rest of Wales professional players. Uh, one quote from a player who was featured apparently in both of Wales games in the Six Nations, speaking to the Daily Mail, says, I can't believe I'm five months away from the end of my contract, eight months away from the World Cup and my future isn't certain yet. I can't apply for a mortgage and I'm on antidepressants. I'm also one big injury away from not having a job in July and yet I'm starting for Wales every week and the WRU is making tens of millions from international matches. Bit of a... Um, a concerning situation for Welsh rugby, Keith. Well, it is, and um, I would always say there are there's a much wider context, and um, if we go very wide and very narrow, it's probably the best way to do it. Very wide is that the game is struggling heavily for finance. Um, COVID has put everybody under pressure. We should never um, step away from the fact that when. Um, when COVID struck here, uh, the government gave grants and um, uh, supported sport uh, of all types in, in Ireland. And uh, in the UK, they gave loans and those loans have to be paid back. And that has put a huge amount of teams um, and unions under pressure. Um, I've spoken to, in the last two months, I've spoken to five um, different owners of of, of clubs and franchises and uh, one of them has said look they, they have a really good chance of breaking even this year and that sounds fantastic um, but breaking even doesn't take away from the debt that you have and the debt that, the amount of money that was put into the club in the first place and the amount of money that has to be paid back over the next number of years so the game is struggling very heavily um, trying to figure out what is the best route for it Um you need huge numbers coming through. The, the bigger the numbers that you have coming through, the more sustainable the, the game is. Um, there's a huge doubt, uh, like from a player's perspective, to find out that he doesn't have a contract, but you can't give a contract to somebody unless you know you can pay it. Mm. Um, and that's one of the that's one of the pieces that they're stuck in at the present moment in time. So Wales are looking to try and have a viable financial model which is a restructuring of the contracts as the contracts come to an end. So they've been waiting for the contracts to come to the end to look for a more uh, centralised system of payments that fit the bill to the finances that they have at their disposal to be able to pay off all their debts. 
and they haven't got to that at the yet to be uh, at this time. So to be to be in the situation in the middle of the Six Nations, thinking along that way, it's incredibly frightening for players. Um, and uh, like I've I've just watched some of the commentary that some of the people are complaining about. Some of these people are getting three or four hundred thousand. You know they shouldn't be complaining. This is an incredibly tough game. And if we saw anything at the weekend, you can see injuries happen all the time. You can be finished next week. And this is one part of your life, not all of it. And you could finish at 25 or 30 and you still have the rest of your life to go and live. The amount of money that's earned may not be viable for the sport, but it's not enough for the player. So it's an incredibly difficult place to be in. And um, look, I know that Yain Evans has just gone in as as, as chairman. I know Yain very well. Um, good, honest, strong guy. Um but every every day in Wales, there seems to be a new issue. So um, there's a, they have a big job on their hands to try and get that right. I imagine they'll sort it out. I mean, there were always conversations in the 90s that there was going to be strikes in the future at some stage. Um, that's when they were trying to figure out what the game was like. You'd have hoped that that would have moved on at this stage. But I still think we're, we're suffering um, uh, the hangover from, from the COVID lockdowns. Um, uh, we've seen it in England with Worcester and Wasps. Now we're seeing it in Wales. Um, you know, I, I, th- I just think it's an incredibly difficult period of time for it. But you can imagine the the doubt when you're in a negotiation for your contract. Your contract's going to be up in a few months. And you don't know if you're going to have another job. So I, I think a lot of things are going to have to change in Wales mm. for 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 the contracts to be sorted, but also to the the 60 um, cap rule to whether players have to play in 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 Wales to play for Wales. Um, I think everything is going to be on the table. Yeah, it's a, it's a concerning situation. We'll definitely wait and see how that how that uh, materialises and whether or not that strike happens, and of course whether or not that England Wales game goes ahead. Certainly up in the air as things stand. Uh, Keith, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, gents. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.